0: We'll take our text from Jeremiah, chapter 14, verse 8. O the hope of Israel, the Savior thereof, in time of trouble, why shouldest thou be as a stranger in the land, and as a wayfaring man that turneth aside to tarry for a night? A stranger is a person we do not know. They're not an enemy. They're not a friend. It's just that we don't know them when we first see them, and after we see them, we still don't know them. They're a stranger. Sometimes we refer to strangers as perfect strangers. That's not an assessment of their moral character. It just means we never met them before in our lives. We don't know who they are. Sometimes we heard it said of someone uh, they never met a stranger, but they did. But it just means that they're so super friendly and the stranger doesn't stay a stranger for long. Our children uh, heard us say and our parents taught us, don't talk to strangers, stranger danger. Our parents at least probably, uh, well not probably, didn't tell us the greater threat is amongst those who you're acquainted with already, but that's that's another story. A stranger suggests a certain amount of ambivalence. They, If we're the stranger, they don't really want to know us, and we don't really want to know them. We have a task to accomplish, perhaps, and we accomplish that task and move on. It's nothing personal, there's just no mutual interest to be explored. A couple of days ago, I went to the, to the store, and I parked uh, the car near where a stranger also parked. But this is a different, a different day. This stranger was masked. Ordinarily, that would be cause for concern. Went into the store, and saw other strangers, masked strangers. Go figure. Uh, some wore sunglasses. One or two had a, a cap, a stocking cap. Everyone looks like bank robbers these days, but they're strangers. I went to the checkout uh, counter, the, the uh, self-checkout, uh, and uh, suddenly I realized there was a gloved woman beside me with a mask. But when I looked into her eyes, I recognized her. It was Debbie. In this account, Jeremiah prays that God won't be a stranger to the children of Israel. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet for over four decades to at least five kings. And he had a a message that God gave him. It wasn't his own. He was simply the messenger, but he rebuked kings. He told priests they were corrupt, prophets that they were liars, and told all the people that they needed to amend their ways. They needed to fix the moral character of their lives in order for God to have respect to their prayers. They did pray, but God wasn't interested in prayers of self-pity He was interested in in prayers of repentance. Jeremiah's audiences, he was told in advance, would not be friendly audiences. No, they wouldn't be. They uh, would not receive his message. They would not embrace his message nor embrace him. On the contrary, they would object to him, threaten him, and even uh, hold him prisoner at times. Initially, Jeremiah didn't want to go. He told the Lord, I cannot speak. He wasn't just a child. He perhaps was 20 years old, as we heard Brother Tony mention in the teaching that he gave Friday evening. But he did not feel he was equipped to accomplish the task that God gave him to accomplish. And he wasn't excited about facing unfriendly audiences either. But the Lord told him, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee. God promised to put the words in his mouth that he should speak. And so Jeremiah embarked upon that four-plus-decade journey and faithfully delivered the word of God. But the assurances God gave him did not prevent him from having doubts along the way. Uh, One time uh, he uh, told the Lord that uh, he was what God already knew, but he said, I, I am in derision daily, everyone mocketh me. Because of the word of the Lord, uh, he went on to say, it, it's made a reproach, made me a reproach. So he said "He said to himself, I will not mention the name of the Lord again. This is not, not working well, so I won't do this nor speak his name. Uh, but he went on to say, but the word was in mine heart, As a burning fire shot up in my bones, I was weary with forbearing. I could not stay. He couldn't help himself. It was just within him the message God gave him, and it must come out of him. He must deliver it. He must be faithful to God. Another time when he was feeling a bit discouraged, the Lord wasn't there necessarily to uh, celebrate him in his pity he simply reminded him if thou hast run with a footman and they have wearied thee then how canst thou contend with horses jeremiah if you think things are rough now uh, just bear in mind that they're going to get rougher but god had promised him that he would be with him and he, he proved to be uh, true to his promises well in this text Uh, We see that the word of the Lord came, and it came at different times over those uh, decades in different ways. But the word came to him, we read in in the text, concerning a drought. The conditions were pathetic. We heard Brother Dave uh, read of them. The the children were sent by their parents to get water in their pails. And the children uh, would look and perhaps wanted to please their parents, but there was no water to be found. And so they uh, they returned with their vessels empty. They were ashamed and confounded, and they covered their heads. They were in despair. The children were. We we read uh, of the farmer, how that the ground was was parched. It was chapped. It was uh, uh, had cracks in it because of this uh, uh, drought. It needed water, so they also covered their heads, realizing they could not plant, and anything they had planted offered nothing in terms of reaping. We read of the livestock, the livestock who calved and left their calves because there was no food to eat, and therefore nothing for the young calves to nurse from. Even out in the wild, the animals lifted up their noses to sniff in uh, hoping for, to catch uh, the fragrance of water or uh, grass or somewhere, uh, something, but to no avail. And they uh, also were in despair, even the animals in despair. Well, it was a matter of perspective. The perspective of Judah was to lament over this drought and the resulting famine. They cried and wept and uh, hoped but there was simply nothing within them that realized that god's concern was greater than a drought god's concern was with their depraved moral condition they were living wrong they were not doing right and god commanded them to through a jeremiah amend their ways repent of their sins turn from them and to god This uh, self-sufficiency that they had become accustomed to had led them far from what they had been taught as children and what their uh, foreparents had had taught down through the generations. So Jeremiah prays. He prays uh, that God would undertake. In verse 7, we heard read, uh, O Lord, Though our iniquities testify against us, do thou it for thy name's sake. Lord, don't do, don't answer our prayers because we are deserving of an answer to our prayers. Answer our prayers that your name might be glorified. That was Jeremiah's uh, request. The problems of the human race in every generation can always be traced back to the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve chose to sin and passed that sin nature that they acquired there onto their descendants. We were born, uh, David said, in sin and shapen in iniquity. We inherited our parents' uh, personality and uh, physical appearances, but we inherited something much deeper than that from Our four parents that go back to the beginning, Adam and Eve, we inherited their sinful nature. And unrepented of, we cannot please God. When we reach that age of accountability, some younger, some a bit older, but at some point in every life, there becomes an awareness of God. And an awareness that I'm not living right. I'm not living right according to what God deems best. More than not according to how our parents taught us or how society teaches. After all, some parents teach uh, morally corrupt manners. And society certainly has departed from the Bible way of of living to a way that is right in man's own eyes. There comes a point in life where we realize we're accountable to God and not to man. And when we reach that point, some reach that point early in life, many actually do, Uh, some pray early in life. And that simple prayer of a a sinner that God hears, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Children invite Jesus to come into their hearts, and the Lord answers those prayers. And many among us have lived most of their lives saved. They got saved young and stayed saved. Some of us came along a little bit later, but we know that uh, that we have experienced and can testify that there's power in the blood of Jesus to transform us in an instant of time not a matter of trying to do better. <clears throat> we certainly want to try to do better, but it takes more than trying to do better. I remember when I was a late, late teenager and was associated with different people, I ran with a crowd that was much like me, I guess, unsaved and, at least outwardly, demonstrated no interest in being saved. In fact, I didn't even know what saved was, but I do recall a time, a period in my life, where I realized the profanity that I was accustomed to using daily, hourly, probably was not complimentary. And so I was going to quit swearing. Simple as that. Well, that lasted for a couple of hours. We don't have the power. Jeremiah said that. It's not in man uh, to correct his own behavior. Uh, Paraphrasing, we simply cannot do it in our own uh, power. Some can to a degree, but eventually what is within, as far as that old sinful nature, is going to pop out. There's going to be a realization, "I, I shouldn't be doing this. It's displeasing to God. God said, amend your ways, repent of your sins, turn from them, pray the sinner's prayer, experience real salvation, and God will answer that prayer, whether it be a time of plenty or a time of drought. And the text, O hope of Israel, the Savior in time of trouble, why shouldest thou be as a stranger in the land and as a wayfaring man that turneth aside to tarry for a night? A wayfaring man, it refers to a, a traveler, someone on their journey and their intent is to remain a stranger. It's kind of like uh, spending a night in a Motel 6, which used to be $6 a night. You come in late, you leave early. You don't really have time or want to take the time to become acquainted with uh, the clerk at the desk. Just give me the key. Tell me where the room is. I'll go in. I'll catch a few hours of sleep, and I'll get up before you are in the morning and be gone. that That's a stranger in the land. That's what Jeremiah wanted God not to be. We don't want God to be a stranger to us, nor do we want to be a stranger to God. We want to become acquainted with him and he with us. So Jeremiah says, O hope of Israel, Savior in time of trouble, why should you be as a stranger in the land, as a wayfaring man that turneth aside for the night? Why? uh, And remember, this is how Jeremiah phrased it. God was deeply vested in uh, the Jewish people and still is. God was very interested, keenly interested in their welfare. But during this time of drought, it was, it was if he wasn't. It was if he was not acquainted with them at all. They weren't with him, but he was with them. So Jeremiah prays, don't let it be like a stranger. Don't, like it be, don't let it be like someone who's just passing through on their way and pays no attention, has no vested interest. And let it not be like the clerk at the store who I'm um, just in a hurry and want to get in and out. Verse 9. Why shouldst thou be as a man astonished, or a mighty man that cannot save? You know the Lord is, is mighty. He's the master of the wind and of the rain. He can speak the, the word and things can be settled. In a moment of time he, time, he did it for the disciples. He's done it for you and for me at different times in life where we have cried out in despair, not knowing what to do, but having submitted our lives to God and having uh, made sure that our hearts were cleansed of all sin, we, we could call on God and uh, furthermore add a caveat to our prayers, Lord, not my will but thine be done. If, uh, Lord, uh, don't answer my prayer for my selfish reasons, but answer in a way that your name will be glorified. And that's how Jeremiah prayed. Come once more and dwell among us, uh, he said. Thou art, O Lord, thou art in the midst of us. Uh, leave us not. Well, that's that's our prayer. But the idea that God is a God who cannot save, a God who cannot speak the word, and things are fixed. God can do that. Let there no, uh, be no doubt about that. But God's will shall prevail. He's a sovereign God and He knows best and we uh, submit ourselves to what He deems us best. We think of God being a Savior at the Red Sea. When it came time after having uh, preserved the Jewish people in the land of Egypt for centuries, He brought them out with a high and a mighty hand. They came to the Red Sea. And there was an army from Egypt behind them and the sea before them. There were mountains on either side. They were trapped. There was no way out except a Savior step in, and He did. He, Moses was told, stretch that rod uh, of God out. And the, Moses did so, and the Red Sea divided, and the children of Israel, hundreds of thousands of them, went across on dry ground, while the Egyptian army, following them in pursuit, tried to do the same, and their chariots were bogged down in the mud, and they were all drowned when the, when the waters came back together. That's a Savior. Well, we need a Savior who will deliver us from sin. We need a Savior who will liberate us from the old habits and appetites that uh, emerge once in a while, or maybe often times in our lives. We need one who can conquer that. We try, but in an unsafe condition, we fail. Jesus is a Savior. He came to save. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, and He will save anyone here, or anyone here in in the... Um, cyberspace. Not too many here in the sanctuary, but there are many uh, viewing up and down the West Coast at this time and even across the land in different time zones and around the world we we have, have word of different ones who are viewing. I don't care if you're viewing this live or if you're viewing it a day later, if Jesus tarries another day. if If you need a Savior, there's one here to save you. He's not just a traveler, a sojourner, passing through with no interest in you. He has great interest in you. And if you're serving the Lord, He has interest in you just as as much. He will help you. He will guide you. The invitation, though, this morning is issued in particular to those who have never come to Jesus.